the Unanimous Declaration of the 13th United States of America. When in the course of human events, it becomes necessary for one people to dissolve the political bands which have connected them with another, and to assume among the powers of the earth the separate and equal station to which the laws of nature and of nature's God entitle them, a decent respect to the opinions of mankind requires that they should declare the causes which impel them to separation. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, and that they are endowed by the Creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. To secure these rights, governments are instituted among men, deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed, that whenever any form of government becomes destructive of these ends, it is the right of the people to alter or to abolish it, and to institute new government, laying its foundation on such principles and organizing its powers in such form as to them shall seem most likely to affect their safety and happiness. Prudence indeed will dictate that governments long established should not be changed for light and transient causes. And accordingly, all experience hath shown that mankind are more disposed to suffer while the evils are sufferable that to right themselves by abolishing the forms of which they are accustomed, when the long train of abuses and usurpations pursuing invariably the same object of events a design to reduce them under absolute despotism, it is their right, it is their duty, to throw off such government, and to provide new guards for their future security. Such has been the patient sufferance of these colonies, and such is now the necessity which constrains them to alter their former systems of government. The history of the present king of Great Britain is a history of repeated injuries and usurpations, all having in direct object the establishment of an absolute tyranny over these states. To prove this, let facts be submitted to a candid world. He has refused his assent to laws, the most wholesome and necessary for public good. He has forbidden his governors to pass laws of immediate and pressing importance unless suspended in their operation till his assent should be attained. And when so suspended, he is utterly neglected to attend to them. He has refused to pass other laws for the accommodation of large districts of people, unless those people would relinquish the right of representation in the legislature, a right inestimable to them and formidable to tyrants only. He has called together legislative bodies at places unusual, uncomfortable, and distant from depository of their public records, for the sole purpose of fatiguing them into compliance with his measures." He has dissolved representative houses repeatedly for opposing with many firmness his invasions on the rights of the people. He has refused for a long time, after such dissolutions, to cause others to be elected, whereby the legislative powers, incapable of annihilation, have returned to the people at large for their exercise, the state remaining, in the meantime, exposed to all the dangers of invasion from without in convulsions within. He has endeavored to prevent the population of these states, for that purpose obstructing the laws of naturalization of foreigners, refusing to pass others to encourage their migrations hither, and raising the conditions of new appropriations of lands. He has obstructed the administration of justice by refusing his assent to laws for establishing judiciary powers. He has made judges dependent on his will alone for the tenure of their offices and the amount of payment of their salaries. He has erected a multitude of new offices and sent hither swarms of officers to harass our people and eat out their substance. He has kept among us, in times of peace, standing armies without the consent of legislatures. 
He is affected to render the military independent of and superior to the civil power. He has combined with others to subject us to jurisdiction foreign to our Constitution and unacknowledged by our laws, giving his assent to their acts of pretended legislation, for quartering large bodies of armed troop among us, for protecting them by mock trial from punishment for any murders in which they should commit on the inhabitants of these states, for cutting off our trade with all parts of the world, for imposing taxes on us without our consent, depriving us, in many cases, of benefits of trial by jury for transporting us beyond seas to be tried for pretended offenses, for establishing the free system of English laws in a neighboring province, establishing therein an arbitrary government, and enlarging its boundaries so as to render it once an example and the fit instruments for introducing the same absolute rule into these colonies, for taking away our charters, abolishing our most valuable laws, and altering fundamentally the forms of our governments for suspending our own legislatures and declaring themselves invested with power to legislate for us in all cases whatsoever. He has abdicated government here by declaring us out of his protection and waging war against us. He has plundered our seas, ravaged our coast, burnt our towns, and destroyed the lives of our people. He is, at this time, transporting large armies of foreign mercenaries to compliate the works of death, desolation, and tyranny, already begun with circumstances of cruelty and perfidy scarcely paralleled in the most barbarous of ages, and totally unworthy of the head of a civilized nation. He has constrained our fellow citizens, taken captive on the high seas, to bear arms against their country, to become the executioners of their friends and brethren, or to fall themselves by their hands. He has excited domestic insurrections among us, and has endeavored to bring on the inhabitants of our frontiers, a merciless Indian savages, whose known rule of warfare is an undistinguished destruction of all ages, sexes, and conditions. In every stage of these oppressions, we have petitioned for redress in the most humble of terms. Our repeated petitions have been answered only by repeated injury. A prince whose character is thus marked by every act which may define a tyrant is unfit to be the ruler of a free people. Nor have we been wanting in our tensions of our British brethren. We have warned them from time to time of the attempts by their legislature to extend an unwarrantable jurisdiction over us. We have reminded them of the circumstances of our emigration and settlement here. We have appealed to their native justice and magnanimity, and we have conjured them by the ties of our common kindred to disavow these usurpations, which would inevitably interrupt our connections in correspondence. They too have been deaf to the voice of injustice and consanguinity. We must, therefore, acquiesce in the necessity which denounces our separation and hold them, as we hold the rest of mankind, enemies in war, in peace friends. We, therefore, the representatives of the United States of America, in general Congress, assembled, appealing to the Supreme Judge of the world for the resuscitude of our intentions, in the name and by the authority of the good people of these colonies, solemnly publish and declare that these united colonies are and of right ought to be free and independent states, and they are absolved from all allegiance to the British crown. And all political connection between them and the state of Great Britain is and ought to be totally dissolved, and that as free and independent states, they have the full power to levy war, conclude peace, contract alliances, establish commerce, and to do all other acts and things which independent states may, ha may of right do. 
and for the support of this declaration with a firm reliance on the protection of divine providence, we mutually pledge to each other our lives, our fortune, and our sacred honor. In Congress, July 4th, 1776. The liberal ideals espoused in the Declaration of Independence was a vision of what America wanted to be. They wanted the freedom to make their own choices. But to be American, to me, in today's world, is to be a hypocrite. Going back to the Declaration of Independence, they wrote the lines, All men are created equal. The main author to the letter to King George, enslaved people as did 41 of the 56 congressional delegates who signed the Declaration of Independence. In their eyes, sure, they can say all men were created equal, but they did not afford those rights to everyone equally. American had millions of enslaved people who had no rights. No right to bodily autonomy. No right to live their life as they saw fit. No right to redress their grievances. No right to free speech, no right to marry, no right to practice whatever religion they wanted. Women couldn't vote. Women didn't own property. Women, so long as they remained single, could be sued. They could sue others, but once they're married, those rights fell to their husbands. It wouldn't be until 1974 that a woman could even get their own credit card without the expressed consent of their husbands. And it was an act of Congress that got them to have that freedom not the goodwill of businesses. I've had a hard time writing and recording this episode. I've worked in sales my entire career. I've worked for someone else my entire career. And in some capacity or another, I've often been counseled by managers and business owners for my public stances on a wide range of topics. It seemed every time I wrote and rewrote this episode, I could hear them in the back of my head. I can hear them telling me to stop making such controversial stances. To me, being who I am isn't controversial, and it shouldn't be controversial. Being who who you are shouldn't be controversial, but it is. In the coming weeks, logical conversations aren't going to dominate our public square. The dominating argument today is the Supreme Court's decision on Dobbs, which overturned Roe versus Wade, the judicial president for nearly 50 years, which upheld a woman's right to choose. The Supreme Court has ruled that it's no longer a woman's right to choose, but the state's rights to choose how to legislate a woman's right to choose. States all over the country, including my home state of Ohio, have laws that snapped into place to put an all-out ban on abortion. Seems to be a huge win for life, right? But is it really? If there's anything we've learned in America, I figure it would be that a prohibition on something doesn't make it go away. In fact, an all-out ban is antithetical to the argument proponents will use to get the ban put in place. The effort to ban alcohol in America was led by Piastic Protestants to fix a social ill beset by consumption of alcohol, like alcoholism, family violence, and saloon-based political corruption. As a result of this lobbying of the Congress, the 18th Amendment was passed and ratified kicking off prohibition of alcohol in America. Organized crime prevailed as secret saloons were created and hidden and raided the speakeasies of the 1920s, 
were a result of prohibition. Because alcohol was outlawed, the price skyrocketed, and people looking to get into that action, including congressional members who voted for the prohibition of alcohol, got in on the action and made inferior unregulated whiskeys. And that was more dangerous to consume alcohol at that point. Family violence still occurred, but it only seemed to get worse. Drinking was considered matcha, so women didn't really drink a whole lot in public. But once the saloons were gone, it became more socially acceptable for women to drink because it was in private and it was in secret. Was prohibition all that bad? The Ford Motor Company didn't seem to think so because the rates of absenteeism dropped and more people came to work for them. I think we could see the motivations of prohibition at this point. The past prohibitions of abortions didn't stop abortions. Quite the contrary. Just like alcohol prohibition, it made abortions more dangerous. People made money from a vulnerable population looking to end a pregnancy that left a lot of women dead, maimed, or infertile. With the overturning of Roe versus Wade, a ton of arguments have been made in bad faith. Somehow, if you were someone who identified it as pro-choice, it's seen as pro-abortion. That couldn't be further from the truth. I have four kids. Their lives are absolutely precious to me. Life is precious, and it's a gift. So personally, do I view abortion as something that I like? No, not necessarily. Clearly not. But I believe that our bodily autonomy is what actually makes us free. Our country feels so strongly about bodily autonomy that it's been upheld in courts time and time again. It means if you have kidney disease and you're going to die and you need to have a kidney transplant and I happen to have a healthy match kidney, there's nothing that you can do to compel me against my will to use my body to your ends. Even if I died, you just can't go to my dead body and take my organs from me unless I've given you expressed consent. Even if I somehow knew how to give you like a, a kidney disease that destroyed your kidney, you can prove I did it to you. There's still nothing that you can do to take a kidney from me and use it for yourself. You cannot use someone else's body against their will. In cases of rape, incest, or even just a consensual evening where maybe you made a mistake, there's no way we should be able to compel a woman to use her body against her will. She must give her expressed consent to become pregnant. If she becomes pregnant and she doesn't want to be, then she has every right to make that decision for her body. Some people would say, hey, we'll love this child no matter how it was conceived. I want you to look your 13-year-old in her face and tell that to her and see what kind of reaction you get. If we really want to support life and end abortion, there's actually a few policies that would work. They have worked and they've proven to work. Access to free contraceptives, comprehensive sex education, universal health care, paid family leave, better welfare funding, ending housing insecurity, closing the wage gap, and properly funding education. The cost of all these programs combined would still be less than what the government infused into Wall Street during the supposed three once-in-a-lifetime economic crises we've experienced since 2008. I know, I know. How did a podcast become so political when it's you know supposed to be about preparedness? I don't see these as political issues. 
these aren't radical stances. A majority of our country feels exactly the way I do. These are things that we've talked about since our country was born. This is how we survive by using what platform you have to have measured, clear discussions with clear points of view. I know a bunch of you are going to relate to everything that I just said. You're going to be clapping. Maybe not, but maybe saying, yeah, that's the way I think too. But many more probably won't. It's fine. We can agree to disagree on some things. But I won't disagree on basic human rights. The right to love who you want to love. Marry who you want to marry. Be who you want to be. Those things I will not equivocate on. A lot of people this 4th of July feel compelled to go protest. What good of a survival podcast would I be if I didn't at least point you to some resources to help you in your protest? So let's start at the easy stuff. How are you going to get into and out of the protest area? You need to make some assumptions about this protest. Assume the protest will turn violent. Assume there'll be fighting between police and protesters. If we've seen anything in the last couple of years, protests can turn deadly and violent very quickly. No one wants them to turn violent. I don't want them to go violent, but you need to go in and have a plan for eventual violence. Have a primary, alternate, contingency, and emergency route in and out of your protest area. So what are you going to take with you? Water in your own plastic bottle with a nozzle. You can use that to drink or even wash off your skin if you get irritants on them. Write down emergency contact information. Someone you love that needs to know that you're okay, write their number down in case you lose your phone. Make sure you have numbers for attorneys written down on your person. Write them on your skin if you need to. Put them out of sight of police and people because they target people with writing on their arms as someone who are rabble rousers. So don't make yourself target. Make sure you bring cash for food or transportation. Make sure you have enough insulin or EpiPens or whatever medications you need for any chronic medical conditions. Medical alert bracelets for chronic medical conditions on your arm, like on your wrist, will be in first responders need to know how to treat you. That's something to know. Also, make sure you have a complete change of clothes. So if you get tear gassed or pepper sprayed or someone does that to you, you can change out of those uh, pieces of clothing and get clean clothes. Also, put all of this in a backpack and use both straps in case you need to run away from danger. The sling bags aren't going to work that well, as at least as much as you don't think they will. Okay, so make sure you have a backpack. Another thing on your phone. Turn off all biometric and all face recognition software on your phone. So, again, if you have those on, police can take it, put it up your face, and if it unlocks, they can see anything that's inside, allegedly. Make sure you have it password protected so you just can't wander onto your phone. Before you go, you need to know all your rights. I have links to resources from the ACLU and the Physicians for Human Rights in the show notes, so check that out before you go anywhere. Look, I mean, America might feel like it's in a dark place right now. And as a whole, democracy always hangs by a thread, and it always will be. Like I said before, to be an American, it's full of inconsistent ideologies. To me, being American, like I said, is being a hypocrite. For a place that we call free, we seem to lock up a lot of people. So please, stay safe this July 4th. If you're protesting, make sure you're well-planned and briefed 
and be ready. And if you're celebrating by blowing off firecrackers, then please make sure you don't blow off your fingers and keep all your hands and feet intact. Stay safe. We'll see you next week.